public, religious stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Welcome to the BSJ Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, the American Redneck Buckshot Jones. And my guest tonight is a guy I met a couple years ago in my time in IWA. How you doing, Vincent? I'm alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how you holding up during this lockdown or whatever the pandemic you got going on? Oh, well, it could be worse. Uh, Just dumped a whole bunch of money and a bunch of gear right before all this happened, so just waiting on it to let up. Yeah, ain't we all. So what are you doing to keep yourself busy? Um, (sighs) Staring at walls, thinking of new ways to hurt people, um, watching a lot of tape. (laughs) New ways to hurt people. That sounds like defensive cross I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, getting into this. I mean, I know you, but I really don't know a lot about you. And like I said, we met a couple of years ago in IWA, Ohio. Um, you're a magician, magician too, ain't you? Yeah. Uh, play guitar, bass, drums, sing, all of it. How long have you been doing that? Oh, God. Uh, about 23 years, 24 years. Yeah, it's a little while. You're, you're pretty good. I mean, I've seen some of your, I've seen your work. I mean, that's, I mean, you're talented. I'll give you that. Oh, thank you. Uh, let me know and the audience know. When did you get into the business, and who trained you? I uh, got started probably, I think it was around 2013. Um, there was like an upstart company that was kind of forming from the ground up, and people were kind of in the process of training as they went. Um, I ended up getting in touch at that point with uh, Vane Lewis, Donald Akins, as well as uh, David Day, and then a little later, um, Tom Boy Mulligan. And between the three of them, that's pretty much who trained me. So what, what are some of the promotions you work for? Um, starting out, it was just that little, like I said, just that little promotion for the first year or two while I was still training. Um, after that, we, uh, I think the first other company I worked for was uh, Superior Championship Wrestling over in West Virginia. It was ran by a guy named Brian Resner. And I accidentally got booked on his first show. Um, I was asked to go help out with just ring crew, and that was all I intended to do. But you know how they say, always bring your gear. Absolutely. They had a guy there they were trying to establish a little bit, and uh, me and two of my friends that were there, they stuck us in the ring with him in a four-way and said, you know, have, have a good opening match and try to make him look good. So that's what we did. Now, I heard you on Benicia's uh, podcast earlier this week or last week. Uh, tell the story about how you uh, bumped in the, the late, great Bull Miller. 
the founder of uh, IWA Ohio. Oh, when I first met him? Yeah, that, that, that was an interesting story. Oh yeah, it was my uh, first day at IWA. Um, like I said, I brought I got brought in by uh, Guile Castle, Trey Evers, and Joker Wild, and didn't really know who even ran the company. I was just told, "Hey, here's a wrestling company." I just happened to hear the name like when I got there. I was just looking to work, you know. So uh, the way this place is laid out, there's a little stairway that went up to the right away right off from the uh, the gym. And at the top of the stairs is the restroom, and then there was the dressing room. And I wouldn't step, I was stepping um, out of the restroom as Bull was trying to step in, and I hit him with the door and about knocked him down the stairs. So yeah, I was that, was thinking, a, that was in the New Holland building, right? Yeah, New Holland. Yeah, um, he about took a tumble. I managed to reach out and grab him and catch him, and I didn't know who he was. I thought he was a fan, so I was like, what are you doing up here? You're in the wrong place. And I tried to walk him down the stairs and he looked all confused. <laughs> and then I got down a little later and they're like, so I heard you met the man, met the boss. I'm like, uh Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I guess I'm never getting brought back. Yeah. I can imagine the look on Bo's face when you escort him out back out. That's, <laughs> Instead, I think he got so mad, he decided he was going to keep me around and punish me for two years. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, I met, I mean, I knew Bull, you know, just, you know, through meeting, you know, a couple of times and contacted each other on Facebook. And, you know, he wanted me to come to IWA for a while, but, you know, it just wasn't at the, wasn't the right time. I was on my first marriage. You know, it's kind of rocky, so I try to stay local to the other, you know, closer promotions and try to work on yeah. my marriage, and, which, you know, didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the wrestling business. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what are some of the titles you held over your career? Um, well, the uh, first titles I ever actually uh, like first major title I held was with Trey Evers we were in uh, Appalachian Championship Wrestling in uh, West, over in West Virginia in uh, Falls View out in the middle of nowhere and um, this is before we'd even either of us have been to IWA and we've been working there for a while and we're really just kind of you know, underneath guys and as it happened that night, we were scheduled to work a tag match against the tag champions, the Urban Death Squad. Um, Johnny Blast, Spider Crawley, they're both Hall of Famers over there. So we're, you know, we're working the match, and I'm on the floor getting beat down with a chair by Johnny Blast. And next thing I know, I hear the bell ring. The crowd erupt. I look over, and Trey's got his hand raised. I was like, well, <laughs> I guess we did it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> excuse me, I Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, how long did you guys have a run with the title? Um, we had them for two or three months there, um, but then uh, there was a show that I didn't get to make it to because of a family emergency, and um, I'm not sure what happened, but when I came back after that, they told us, that, they told me that we weren't the champs anymore, so I think they had someone else end up teaming with Trey. Um uh, the way I understood is they brought in, uh, they had TJX as a tag partner, and it just wasn't a good night. 
Um, so yeah, I never got beat for that belt. You know, it, it happens in this, you know, especially on the indie circuit. Oh yeah. Um, how do you compare the guys coming into the business today compared to when you first came in? Um, a lot of them that I've met have had really good attitudes, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say a bad thing about a lot of them, but at the same time, I've ran into a number of people that just kind of have this, you know, give it to me attitude about things. Now, um, I've met some that want to get in the ring and want to, you know, play wrestler, but don't want to actually go through the training and don't want to pay the dues. And when the show's over, they're not there to help with the ring. So... And when I was coming up through it, and even now, you know, you don't you don't do that. No, me and Joe Black was talking about it on my very excuse me, my first episode of paying dudes, you know, helping with the ring, and you know these young guys, you know, not wanting to, you know, like you said, pay your dues and help with the ring, tear down, set up the whole night. I mean, that's what you do. Oh yeah, and it's then you guys got like Gal Castle and Joshua Charles which are probably some of the best guys in the business wanting to train these guys for free, you know, get them in the ring, let them work a little bit to improve their craft. And they say no. Yeah, it's quite ridiculous. I mean, I've even, I even offered to help with training before and yes, you have it. Uh, and you guys are offering to do this point. for free, but yet these young cats say, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> It's okay, buddy. You know, you get free training, you know. Maybe not training per se, but, you know, to help them improve themselves. Yeah, I even had a couple guys there at IWA at one point. I offered to get in the ring, and I overheard them talking backstage. Uh, I'm not going to throw out names because that's no point, but the fact is I overheard them backstage talking, didn't realize I was there, about how they didn't think they needed to be trained by me because – you know, my entering style at that point was large was a lot of brawling, and they're like, "Well, he must not actually know what he's doing, anyways. He's just brawling." I knew the basics. It's called working, right? I was like, "You son of a bitch," you know. <laughs> no, we, we all talked about how you you know first time in IWA and you're meeting with Bull. Um, what was it like when you first came in the I, IWA? Compared to the final days, uh, first time I first couple shows I was there, they were still at the beginning of a rebuilding phase. Um, they were trying to get in some new faces, some fresh blood. Um, Bull had been sick and was just recovering, so the Mackins were in charge. Um, my first night, I was in a five way scramble. Um, like I was mentioned on Venetia's podcast uh, with Trey, uh, Guile Castle, Joker Wild, and Demon Warrior Nemesis. And, you know, me and Nemesis, that was, I think, he may have been there a few times before that, but I know that was my first time there. Trey hadn't been there long. And, you know, they were building, like, the very next show, I was in a few, starting an angle with uh, Damien. Uh, that's our work in Joka, and then Dave Day, And it seemed like the thing was on a big upswing. And it, it ended as soon as Bull died. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I first showed up there, I think it was 2018, um, locker room was great because usually when you're a new guy, 
Especially on the coming in to the locker room. Nobody knows you from Adam. But it wasn't like that in IWA. Yep. I mean, I showed up. I mean, Joshua Charles was the first guy to welcome me to the locker room, welcome me to IWA, shook my hand and everything. And you were the second. Um, Dan Hansen did, you know, Lennox Norris, you know, Paragon, all them guys. And, and the locker room was great. I mean, the atmosphere was. In the beginning, it really was. I mean, that was one of the best locker rooms I ever, especially my first night there. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I remember sitting in the locker room in Falls View at ACW talking to uh, Joshua Charles, telling him, you know, hey, I, I just, I've been there a few months at this other company. And I'm like, dude, you got to come check it out. Um, I'm not going to say I was the only one because it was, of course, um, Trey was talking to him and everything. But, you know, we were big on, you know, dude, you need to come check out IWA. This place, you know, there's room for people to grow and go up the company and work your way up. And, so we brought Josh in because it was a place that seemed like a good environment. Um, by the end there, I had people asking about it, and I was kind of like, I, I don't know if I'd go there, man. Yeah, man. I hate to say that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was a, it was a total disaster. I mean, a lot of guys left because of it. I mean, you had Brenda pulling guys one way, had her opinion the way it should be ran. And you had Caleb want to go this direction. It's like their ideas clashed. Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, it was uh, like I was telling Venice, you know, there, near the end, they'd had uh, Connor, Connor Cross kind of helping him with the booking, and he was having a hard time getting through to him a lot of times on ideas. So he asked me, since I'd done it previously, if I would help him, that way we could kind of, you know, try to get some of these ideas through because we have a wrestling background. We understand what works in the ring. Right. And we would have a card booked and confirmed, and guys are scheduled for it, and we get to the building, and it's something totally different. You can't do that. Yes, I... You know, not knocking Brenda, but she went from ring announcer to valet manager, whatever you want to call it, and then her uh, boyfriend, Kodiak, you know, greener than green can be, and then try to get him a push with a title. What was your thoughts on that? Well, um, the Ohio title, which ironically didn't ever get to go to him, uh, when I was helping with booking the first time around, the one thing I had a big hand in is I was trying to book a situation that would have got him some experience and got him, uh, given him his first push in the company. It just never kind of got to happen um, because I was the Ohio champion at the time. And when they asked me to take it, I said, I want to know who I'm going to drop it to. Yeah, that will be. There was no one could say there's politics involved because we all know where we're going, you know. And I was like, this kid's got it, and he was involved in this kind of hot angle that was building with him and Jay Miller. So the idea was, we'll have him get screwed one more time, and eventually he's going to have enough, and then he'll start working. You know, he'll get finally get his 
comeuppance on Jay. And shortly after the belt went off of me, the booking changed hands. Um, the belt got switched around. I don't even think Jay ever got beat for the belt. No, he didn't. And they're running a different angle, and they're trying to push him up the card to work at the top of the card. And I liked him, but he just he wasn't ready. No, I mean he's got the look. He's got he's got the talent to do it. I just think you know with the politics involved and and with him actually dating Brenda, one of the owners, bookers, whatever you want to call her kind of manipulating him a little bit and you know, kind of sidetracked. Oh, yeah, and I, I didn't – I know it got spun around at one point to people saying that I was upset and didn't think he deserved it, and it wasn't that. It was I didn't think he'd earned it yet. In not just my eyes, but I'm like in the fans' eyes, they're going to see right through you. I mean, that's the thing. It doesn't matter what anyone backstage thinks. If the fans see through you, you're done. Right. I, I know that, you know, they had an angle with you and I, which you and I were building throughout the summer. I mean, this thing, you know, yeah. you know with the ring awareness, you know, you know, helping us along the way. And this is after I took my step away because of all the politics going on in IWA. And, oh, yeah. Then we was getting ready to have our little spot. Yeah, some of one one part of it is my fault. You know, I was going through my second marriage and you know, having trouble with that, and I made a mistake, got behind the wheel. I tried, you know, I've been drinking, got popped for DUI, so I couldn't make it to the show. So I kind of yeah didn't help matters none either. But we could have you know did it a month later, but after I couldn't make it, that got shot out of the water. It's like there, if you can't make a show, you get punished somehow. Oh, uh, that was kind of the nature of the beast in that company for a while. It didn't matter what the situation was or how much advance notice. If you weren't there the way they wanted you to do things, you get punished. Even if you're doing your best job, if they on a spur of the moment decided that they thought you should have something, done something differently, even if you didn't know, you could get punished for it. Right. Um. I remember being in a match, and my opponent happened to get himself way, like, just out of position, and he ended up taking a really, really stiff kick right to the sternum. And, of course, rather than them going after, you know, saying something to the guy about, you know, you got to watch where you're doing, I go backstage and hear for 10 minutes about how I should have, you know, they could kick me out and everything else because I hurt someone. I'm like, I... <laughs> No, I didn't. I mean, yeah, we're out there. We're trying to beat the hell of each other to the wind, but you're not trying to actually, you know, hurt hurt someone. Yeah, I mean, it... I, want, I want to incapacitate you. I want to get you down on the mat where I can pin you for three seconds or where I can make you submit. I don't want... You know, my goal is not the end of the night to have my opponent sitting in a hospital bed. Absolutely. That's not... That. And it's wrestling. I mean, things do happen. I mean... Get it expected. I mean, it's happened to me, um, and, and I know it's happened to you. You've had several concussions. I've had two, and you know you got other injuries on the along the way that I've had that you've had, and many of us had. Oh yeah. Um, nature of the beast, and you got to expect that. 
you get in this business oh, absolutely. and expect not to get some kind of injury, then you get the wrong idea and you might as well go into ballet because you're going to get hurt eventually. Might be minor. Oh, might yeah. Be, I've... It might be major, but it is going to happen. Like I tell Vinish, I've noticed that it seems like all of my matches I'm most proud of, I wound up getting hurt in somehow. So, I mean, it, it definitely is the nature of the beast. I remember wrestling Lennox Norris with a concussion, and he gave me a hip toss. And when he did, the room started spinning, and I lost track of where I was, and I had to get out of the ring. And he's looking around like, what the hell just happened? He's like, it's a hip toss. Not, I didn't just kill you, but, you know, we had to power through it. Yeah. Like you said, it's not ballet. <laughs> no, it's not. Um this is kind of like the same question I asked you before, but the indie scene, not just the guys in general, but how the independent scene was now compared to when you first come in. Uh, well, when I first came in, a lot of it was over in West Virginia, and it's a totally different world over there than it is here um, in Ohio. You know, um, over there, it's very, very guarded. Um, I think sometimes too much. Uh, there are people there that are looking out for their spots and I think don't want to let anyone else in, whether they've earned it or not. Uh, in Ohio, it's almost the opposite problem. You got people that can say they're trained, but then they get in the ring and they can't tell there's between a wrist lock and a wrist watch. And they'll be out there, you know, having a dead crowd come back after a really shit match be high-fiving each other, and I'm like, dude, dude, you're killing the business. Yeah, and I think we've all seen that. Uh, match in particular. Oh, yeah. was the last IWA show. It was Brandon Idol against, I can't remember the young guy's name. Not that it's his fault, because he got thrown in there an hour's training that day. And then they put him in the ring with Brandon Idol, and it was it was bad from the get go. Oh yeah. Um, like I said, I was gone by then, so I actually didn't even hear. I didn't see the match. I just heard about it. Yeah. Um, I've been asked a lot if I was there at the end, and no. The last two the last two months, I was helping out a little bit here and there, but I was not wrestling. And the very last show, I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, I think you know, like I said, going in when I was first there. In the locker room, my the last last show. I mean, it was there was nobody talking to nobody. I mean, it was you know people doing their own thing, and it's sad when it gets like that. But okay, what what are your ghost goals now? I mean, for Vincent Cross. Uh, well, it looks like the only company I'm really working for right now is uh, Top Notch Wrestling Alliance um, down here in the Southeast Ohio area. And, you know, I've got the Legacy Championship there. Um, my next defense is already set. We don't know when the show is going to happen. But whenever we run an event again, I'm facing off against Mr. Slamuel. And my goal is to just show him and everyone else why I am the Legacy Champion and to then move on. Um, you know, I keep I'm eyeballing. I'm watching Vane Lewis. He's got that heavyweight title, and 
while I'm really, you know, I'm proud to be the legacy champion, I'm looking at that top title. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of, I mean, if you don't get in this business to be the top guy, I mean, then why be in it? Exactly. I mean, yeah, it makes you feel good when they want you to be the guy. They want you to be the face of the company. You know, load it on your shoulders and carry it. Yeah, I think. Oh, absolutely. I, would I don't. I don't look to handle anything. I definitely would pay to see you and Vane Lewis go at it. I mean, it. I mean, I've seen that. The last match we had had some weird had some weird stuff go down at the end of it last time. So, you know, he and I have only have not ever actually had a straight up one on one match that didn't have a contested end of some kind to it. So I'm definitely looking for that. And being, you know, he's one of the ones that trained me and broke me into this thing, of course. Right. You know, that's where I'm looking. Now, speaking of you, you just working with TWA, you were at the first show for RPW, which is RPW 3.0. It's third promoter to carry that company. Yeah. Explain what happened there, because, you know, I was your opponent. I mean... And if I had it my way, you'd still be there because we still got a lot we, you and I can do. And I'm going to push for that. Explain what happened in the uh, the first show or what happened well, with me we'll talk, being there. We're going to talk about going into our match. Then we'll talk about what's going on, what happened between there. Between, well, we are supposed to have another match. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We're talking about our match going in. <laughs> finally happened, awesome. You know, and the fans were into it. The match was hot. Oh, yeah, it was. I had a lot of fun. I mean, the thing is, a lot of people probably didn't realize this. I don't even know if you did, but you know, I was, I had a 102 degree temperature that day. I was sick and could barely move, but by God, I was scheduled to be there. I had a match against you, and I was going to give you whatever I had. And you brought it, trust me. You know, I mean, it. Oh, I'm sure, I think we both felt it the next day. Yeah, <laughs> I sure did. Um, I'd, say we... I'd say even Mr. Uh, Mr. Ashworth, I think. Rain Lytle was probably feeling it the next day, too, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes when you're a special guest referee, things happen. Um, yeah, or when you're, uh, you know, when you're a Billy West on the outside there and I happen to get a hold of your chair. He showed me the chair a little while, like a month later, and it had a hell of a dent where I cracked him with it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, nature of the beast. Hey, it's on a good night. Um, yeah, we, we tried to build it. I don't know if any of the RPW fans knew, knew the build up to it. Because a lot of it was supposed to be for uh, IWA and yeah. what have you, but we built up on. Um, then we were scheduled to go later before all this pandemic stuff broke out. Tommy Gomer Jr. turned on me that night. He was in my corner. Yep. Uh, power slammed me. You know, you came in and did whatever you did to him. And then he carried off my title. <laughs> oh, oh, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, you know, should be sitting in my gear bag, but somebody else has it right now. 
We're going in. Hey, I, I can honestly say it's it is in Guile Castle's possession now. Okay. Um, he came by a few days ago and picked it up. Um, going in. Uh, it was supposed to be me, you, and Tommy Garmin Jr. Then it turned out that Tommy wasn't yep. going to be able to make it because his son was going in for surgery, which is understandable. You know. Oh yeah. It was either my two. Yeah, they come first. Regardless, I don't care. Uh, that's why I missed the uh, show when I dropped the uh, the uh, tag titles I was telling you about. Uh, my kid was getting a cast put on his arm. He just broken it. So I understand fully. Yeah, me too. I mean, it. So then we thought it was just going to be you and I. One on one, one more time. Yeah, we, we talked to him about it, proved and set. Yep. And then explain what happened after that. All right. Um, yeah, I got. I'll, I'll tell this story. Um, <laughs> so I'm giving everybody said, three everybody things said. to say what they want to say. You know, so you've been across, brother. Go ahead. And... All right. Like I said, it was the match was set. We were ready to go at it one on one again. Um, I know I was excited. Uh, then I came home one day and I got a message from you saying that you had been told that it was going to be a triple threat again. And when you told me who it was, you said it was going to be Vito Bad. I know I didn't mention his name on Venetia's podcast, but I was in a different mood then. <laughs> so, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Vito runs, uh, he operates uh, DFC, wrestling company, Dead Man's Fight Club, right? Yeah. I'm one half of the tag team champions there. Uh, that's what I thought. So, I'm not going to say anything about that, but I had talked with him before about possibly working for him. And for some reason, he has taken a disliking to me. Um, I know he's taken pot shots. He wouldn't mention me by name, but you can tell when someone's naked at you. I'm sure you know what I mean. Yes. I'm. <laughs> yeah, it's happened to me too. So he and I had issues, and I had already told people in charge at DFC that I don't like him and trust him. I said, I'll, I'll be professional if I'm around him. I said, but. If I have to deal with him in the same building, that's fine. But I said, other than that, I want nothing to do with him. So when you said that was who they were adding to the match, um, I know I told you off the bat I wasn't doing it. So I contacted the um, I contacted the owner and told him what was going on and said, look, you know, there's history there, there's issues. Um, I was always told when we were coming up in the business that if you don't feel comfortable working someone, if you don't trust them, don't get in the ring with them. Right. And I've been told that to a lot of us. And it's not a matter of, you know, I know people like to make it about who's macho, who could take this, who could take that. It's not about that. It's about safety. It's about keeping everyone else safe because if we don't trust each other, the ref could get hurt, a fan could get hurt, we could get hurt. It's not worth the risk. And I was being told, well, sorry, he's going to be in it. And I told him, I said, look, I've done a lot for you guys. I said, when I was in IWA with you, um, you know, I wrestled for two years, never asked for a dime. I designed posters. I helped with training. I helped with the ring. Never asked for anything. I mean, and you know how that company was. <laughs> yeah. And 
I wasn't getting much of an answer. So I went and talked to the booker who I'd known for years. You know him, uh, Guile Castle. Right. Told him, I said, God, I'm, I don't feel comfortable working him. I was like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. I said, but the match is already set. There's no reason to add a third man to it. You know, the angle, it's, it's going to sell itself. You don't need to sell more tickets on adding another guy to this match, especially when I don't feel comfortable with it. And I was told that if I didn't want to do it, they would find someone else that would. And I told him, I said, I told you, I'm not doing it. It's not a question of will I. It's I'm not. So I was told I'm out. Yeah, it's what you're out. And that's. You know, I was disappointed in that. That's it. Because, like I said, the match was hot. You know, the first time we faced each other, fans were into it. I mean, we, I mean, you could hear them. I mean, we. Oh, yeah. We kept them interested. We could have done it again. I was I was definitely ready to do it. I hated to do that, you know. I felt the thing that bothered me most is I wanted to get back in there with you again. And also, when I'm booked on something, I don't like to not show up. But after working through IWA with eight concussions and multiple other injuries, it just it wasn't worth it. I understand. You know, sometimes you got to stand for something. Right. On the same note, is there anyone else you wouldn't work with? Um, I had told him back in IWA that I didn't want to get in the ring with Vinny Violence. <laughs> That's starting to be a trend um, now. And I'll say, I'll say something that I don't know if you guys said last time or not, but I'll say it about both of those two. I don't know that either of them are properly trained. I'm not going to say they're not. I'm not going to say they are either because from what I've seen, I don't believe it. And if they listen to this and get mad, sorry, guys. I'm just being honest. If I'm wrong, get better. Prove me wrong. I want to be proven wrong in this instance. You know? Yeah. Is there any guys you like working with? Um, I always had a blast in with you. One of my favorite guys to wrestle, to get in the ring with, has always been Guile. You've seen what happens when he and I get anywhere near each other in front of a crowd. Yeah. I mean, it's... That is just money. I mean, it's just money. You put he and I, Vincent Cross, Kyle Castle is money. Definitely. When we get together, me, they will pay money to see him do something to me. And then they get even more angry when I don't let them. <laughs> um, Trey Edwards is probably one of my favorite opponents I've ever stepped in the ring with. Um, I'm really interested in working Slamuel. I've never been in the ring with him before, and that's a nice change. Yeah, I was going to ask now, is there anybody. Well, besides Mr. Samuel, is there anybody else you would like to work that you never worked with before? Uh, two big names right off the top of my head from this area is uh, we we need to see a showdown between Vincent and Connor Cross. I'm sure you'd agree that that needs to happen. I agree. I mean, I, I worked with Vincent Cross. I worked against Vincent Cross, and both of it is fun. I mean, I I think. You know, Carter, or Carter Cross. I seen Carter Cross when he came into business. From when he started being trained to where he's at now. And he's a, he only can improve. I mean, he... Oh, exactly. And every time I've seen him, he gets better and better. And 
He's bigger than me. He's probably got the strength advantage, size advantage. <laughs> I want to find out just who has the most heart and who's willing to do the most. Because I think it really does come down on that one to which of us is the sicker individual. And he and he's smooth on his promos too. A lot of guys ain't good on the mic promos, whatever. But he is. Oh, he can talk. I mean, he his is like smooth. It's like Nick Bockwinkle. So it reminds me of. Oh, I'd agree with that. That's definitely a fair assessment on him. He, like I said, he knows what he wants to say. He knows how he wants to say it. And then when the bell rings, he has no problem speaking with his actions too. Right, and they just. Him and Christian Steele are a tag team now, IHOP. They're a tag team down in IWA, and or not IWA, I'm sorry, TWA. No one's talked to Brad. Sorry, Brad. Because um, <laughs> Brad's one of the best promoters out there in the state now. Because his shows are. Yeah, he's the one that gave me my break. Um. Two other names I got to mention I have never worked with that I would love to get in the ring with. Um, I have never had a singles match yet against Vanish. Yeah, and that's, and that's another guy I would like to get in the ring with before you know I hang him up. I mean, I'm getting towards the end of my run, but yeah, Vanish is somebody I would love to get in the ring with that I've never faced before. Uh, I thought it was going to happen last year, but, you know, circumstances changed and didn't get to. Um, I've told him on his podcast, I welcome the chance that we to get to see the Indian Nightmare versus Vincent Cross. And the other one I'm, I really want to get in the ring with is uh, your, original ho- your original guest there. I want to get in the ring with Joe Black. Yeah, he's another one. He's, he's very technical. When he gets in the ring, I mean, he and he's good on the mic too. I mean, me and, me and Joe came in together. We got trained together. Totally different styles, you know. I fought against him a lot of times. And then I had my little heel run, which didn't work out. Uh, so I went back face. So we ran together for a little bit. So yeah, he he's yeah, speaking of. Uh... Speaking of, you know, a heel run versus a face run, is it just me or uh, does it it ever get under your skin when you see someone decide, you know, either they've been, you know, on the bad side of the fans and suddenly they start high-fiving them, we're buddies now, or the other way around? Because I'd like to say that I don't think that I've really – I don't think it matters much if they cheer or boo for me. You've seen how yeah. I work. I mean, it, it, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because that's going to be my next question, because when I first came into IWA, you were a heel. And that very night's when... Yeah, for I think one month. Yeah, um, and then you got turned on by TJX. Psycho and Omega, the guess what, the Forsaken? Is that what? Yep. Yeah, and they turned, and you know, I'm sitting there watching, and you're getting beat down, and you know, they're asking for help, and nobody's coming out. And here I am, the new guy on the block. I was like, okay, not you know, if I was going to get in trouble or not, any 
ramifications. You know, I had to go make the save, which, you know, kind of did good because it built up for the six-man tag we had. Oh, yeah. I remember that it one. It was me, you, <laughs> Connor Cross against members of IHOP, Rob Johnson, Christian Steele, and TJX. Yeah, as, as many issues as I have with TJX back then, I'll admit I kind of felt bad for him because the other guys weren't there. And really I felt bad for myself because I never really got to get my hands on either of those two after that, Omega and Psycho. Yeah. Stipulation was they win. And there's something about having to walk around a knee brace. There's something about having to walk around on a knee brace for two months that kind of gets yeah. under your skin. The stipulation was they win, TJX became the Ohio champion. We win. Carter Cross and I become the IWA Tag Team Champions. But by the end of the night, you still got your title. And Carter Cross and I got new gold we're taking back home. Oh, yeah. That was a fun – Go ahead. Okay, it, it was a fun night watching that happen and seeing the reaction, but – I know it wasn't long after that I started getting direct, you know, being given suggestions backstage. You know, well, maybe you should do this with the crowd, and maybe you should interact this way, and they like you. You should do this back, and, and see. Man, I made the mistake. I made the mistake of listening to people. Some of the biggest mistakes I've made in this business were taking other people's word when I knew it went against what I felt was right. So you're not saying you because at the end of the day. No one, the one that has to look in the mirror and see Vincent Cross is me. That's right. I mean, you didn't have to acknowledge the fans. Yeah, they, they cheered you. But, you know, a lot of times Steve Austin didn't do that. And he, he was one of the biggest faces in the company's history. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it goes back to what I was saying about Kodiak earlier. If they put you in a situation where the fans start to see through what you're doing, you're done. And I think they were starting to see through that a little bit because, uh, you know, that's – if they want to cheer me and hang out, I want to hang out with them, I don't mind here and there. But Vincent Cross is no hero. <laughs> Vincent Cross is a pro wrestler. My goal when I get in that ring, whether it's against someone I can't stand or if it's against someone like Trey Evers, who I consider to be a friend, someone I have a ton of respect for, when I get in the ring – my goal is to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Friendship at that point when the bell rings doesn't mean a damn thing in this business. No, it don't. <clears throat> now, uh, and back to IWA because we got to get some of this out because, you know, a lot of fingers oh, got absolutely. pointed at you, which I didn't, I, which was unfair. You know, because. When the wheels started coming off, what do you think the contributing factors was to finally put the final nail in the coffin for that promotion? I mean, it was the longest-running promotion in the state of Ohio, 1988. Oh, the final nail in the coffin, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, was Bull Miller passing away. After that, it was just waiting on someone to lower it down. Um and I didn't want to believe that at the time. I thought we were – because we were on an upswing right up until he passed. Um, you saw it. The crowds have been – they were gone before. We were bringing them back. Yeah. Um, 
at that point, control was kind of claimed by Brenda and Andrew Mackin. Um, at that point, I had been helping with the booking a little bit with Andrew, helping him try to, a lot of it was really, um, he would book a card and would say, you know, this is the matches I want to do. I want to see happen. What do you think? And then I would give my input on what was good, what was bad, what, what, and why from a wrestler's perspective. There wasn't a lot of me going, hey, I think this guy should do this or that guy should do that because I didn't feel like that was my place to tell people what to do, you know? Right, um, right after that, they, need, they knew that financially they were going to be hurting. They brought in uh, Caleb Copper to help. And initially... Um, I don't know if he's even aware, but from what I was told, the initial plan was for him to essentially just be a financial backer. And they said he had some ideas, but, you know, it was going to be business as usual. Um, within a few months, Andrew ended up being asked to leave, left on his own, depending on who you want to listen to. Um, I'm sure you've heard both sides yes. as well. Well, with his... Um, and I, and I don't blame the guy, you know, because of the circumstances, you know, surrounding all that. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't have hung around either. I mean, and Andrew's a good guy. I still talk to him regularly. Uh, we didn't for a while. We had a falling out, but we both decided to work past it because it wasn't no. worth it, you know. No, but, um... Um, but for me, I think at that point... Uh, that's when we had the big, um, the big heart to heart moment right after he left. That uh, where I nearly got kicked out because I was being double crossed by some of the boys. I'm sure you've ever heard about that one. Yeah, I vaguely remember it. But go ahead with that. So, uh, all right. Here, I mean, so that's the story I've wanted to tell for a long time. So, someone gets mad. Hey, truth hurts. Um, at that point, there was a lot of people very unhappy with the way the company was running without bull, because again, we got people trying to learn how to steer this ship because the captain just, got, you know, the captain's gone. No one knows what they're doing. A lot of people were upset. People were worried about their spot. I wasn't too worried about that. I was like, eventually it'll ride itself. You know, I was one of the ones that's ready to ride the waves. I didn't care because I can swim. Right. Um, but these guys kept voicing opinions here and there, and it was all scattered. This person saying something, but no one would unite them. So I made the judgment call, um, set up a private group online where I could bring in all these guys that had grievances together. I was like, hey, guys, let's figure out what the issues are and if we have any ideas for them on what we could change to make it better for everyone because people were upset. Yeah, which I, which I think was a good idea. idea. And my intention was to get everyone organized once we figured out, okay, these are the issues. You know, narrow it down to the big issues. Then we can have a meeting. I have no problem as a guy who's been here longer than most of them being the guy to step forward and say, look, these are the issues that your roster has. Your locker room's unhappy about these things. Now, what do you want to do about it? I mean, you could ignore it. You could let it go. You could move, do something about it. Um, right before the next show, I found out that Jay Miller had taken part of the conversations from there and had gone to Brenda and Caleb and told them that I was staging a coup and we were going to do a walkout before the show. 
seeing that which obviously was not the plan <laughs> no that 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 wasn't the case at all and i can say that right now and the group of people that wanted changes included guys like charlie brown included guys like guy castle guys who were not concerned about their spot but were seeing you know we want to do what's best for the company and those are guys but it turned out that, along with you Yep, and, and after that, I also found out that Rob Johnson, Hawaiian Lion, was in on it with Jay, right there with it, suddenly saying that I betrayed him when I said that's not the case, and I called him out on it. Which also explains why he and I had a falling out. Yeah. And me and Jay, since then, have, me and Jay have talked. We're good. Yeah, I know he's had the, he's got the tractors, but he and I have talked since then, and... At least I know I bear no ill will. We still speak semi-regularly. But that is what happened. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, they had what, two shows left. You were gone. I think Connor Cross was still yep. doing the writing for him. Being... And I was still helping him at that point. I just wasn't working. And Joshua was supposed to be him and Joshua Charles. Joshua Charles at the time was the heavyweight champ. He couldn't make it, and once again, you know, they strip him of the title. You, know, you don't make it, and you get a title, you get stripped. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they they knew, and they knew beforehand because they contacted Caleb and Connor got a hold of me and asked if I would do the main event. So I, you know, it was the last show. I, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done it, but because you you were. A lot of the guys were gone. You were gone. Charlie was gone. Kyle, I mean, but for a favorite, you know, Connor, I went ahead and did it. And the night, Connor Cross is the new IWA champion. And one more show later, you know, rematch, which an IWA original was there, um, repped the match. I mean, did you see the match? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, so, Bobby Watson. Yeah, Bobby Watson, yeah. Which, you know, by the end of the night, I, I walked out last champion. You know, Bobby gave me a hug, which he was very emotional, which is understandable. Made, made, made me feel good. You know, I'm always going to give Bobby props on this. He said, Bull would be proud that I'm walking out with that title. He's looking down, you know, he'd, he'd be happy. By the end of the night, I told Caleb I was going to do it. I said I was going to get on the mic and I was going to speak my mind of what happened. And I wasn't going to pull no punches. I was going to let it all out. And I did. Guy liked it. <laughs> even my ex-wife, oh, yeah. my second ex-wife, her and my daughter watched. She even liked what I had to say. And tag team champions did the same thing. We all dropped our titles, left in the center of that ring, which was a shame. But... Yeah, I'll, I'll admit, the one thing I would have done differently is I'd have probably pissed on the belts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I got to say it. <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, I was, it was a shame to see the company go. Like I said, I spent two years working for free just to try to help the company out with the understanding that when it got going better, that eventually they would, you know, Think of me and get me back. Yeah. And of course, 
I found out that several of the guys that I was putting on some of my best matches with were getting paid. You see, and that, that, that was another... That is another one of the reasons I did not come back. You know, when, you know, some truths are coming out, you know, certain guys were getting paid. Certain guys wasn't. Some of the guys that wasn't getting paid were doing more in that ring and doing more outside the ring. Oh, yeah. Joshua Charles wasn't getting paid. He may have got one or two payouts the whole time he was there. He's probably actually, you know, some of the guys left. He's the guy, you know, and he and he's he's your heavyweight champion. You're not paying him, and he's got a lot of talent. Which uh, I don't know. It's nature of the beast, I guess. When it's independent wrestling and. Okay, now you get. To- well, I'm sure you. I'm sure you talk. You remember me talking about this back then? Is uh, looking at the roster and who was getting crowd reactions and stuff, especially during like after you stepped out. I think we talked a few times about this. I said you look at certain guys, and this isn't a comment on who's better or not or anything like that. But when you look at like the heel side, you know the people that the fans hated. I don't think there's anyone that got more of a reaction than me. No. I mean, they <laughs> and on the other side, no one was getting reaction like 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 um, Joshua Charles was, and he and I'd have one of the best matches that company had the last couple of years. I was petitioning to them for months. I said, "If you want to sell tickets, I said you put Vincent Cross against Joshua Charles." And then, of course, that started the rumor of, "Oh, he's he's trying to petition to get the belt." It wasn't about the belt. It's about trying to get people to want to come in and see your company. Right. I mean, there's a lot I of mean, guys, I want to face it, have a title. Like, 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 I would like to come back to TWA and face you for that, you know, legacy title. Does, does that mean I want it to be put on me? No. I just think you and I, which we did in RPW, I think we can pull a hell of a match. Oh, yeah. It's something to do for it. That's me. what it's about. I mean, for the fans, the goal is to, the goal is to make money. I mean, Ric Flair made money with Dusty Rhodes. They worked each other because people wanted to pay to see that. People wanted to see Hogan slam Andre. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to put myself anywhere near that category. But when you look at indies, the best way to make money is to take your most hated guy and your most loved guy, put them against each other. And that's the way it's always happened. Regardless of what happens. Exactly. I mean, I was being asked to come out and do different things. I would come backstage and hear guys. um, I said, guys talking about how over they were. And, man, I'm I'm the hottest heel here. And I'm just looking at them like, (laughs) Rob Allen, you are not. Oh, I said his name. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know you worked with him, and like I said, there were guys that were convinced they were getting over when they weren't, and a lot of times the storylines, back to your question earlier about what caused things to decline, I'm sure you remember when there was a really stark, sudden shift in the direction creatively of the company. When it quit being about the heavyweight title, when it became about a kidnapped girl that hadn't been seen in the company beforehand and people were expected to care about this. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, I don't know, it's like they were grasping for straws, trying to get, and, and that, I mean, you've seen it in the last days of WCW. Oh, yeah, and like I said, and that wasn't a knock on, you know, the girl involved or anything else, but you got to get people to know who you are to care about you before you start trying to do something big to make them care, because you don't just go out there and tell the fans, hey, this guy's here, care about them. The person has to go out there themselves and make that crowd pay attention. I mean, I mean, you go out to the ring, you get a reaction. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you know what you got to do to get that crowd to respond to you. Right. Um, Joshua Charles knows how to get that crowd to respond the way he wants them to. Lennox Norris, with just a shrug of his shoulders, can have the crowd ready to kill him. Right. You know, when I would go out there to the ring, I would do whatever it took, no matter what condition the crowd was in, if they were tired, if they were excited, if they didn't want to be there, it was my job to make sure that they forgot about whatever was going on, got excited about what was happening with me or to me. And a lot of guys just didn't seem to get that. No, I mean, Gal Cast is another one. You know, we get the crowd into it. I mean, it, he he gets a reaction. He knows how to, he knows how to get the crowd to pay attention, how to bring them into the match. Absolutely. Uh, Joker Wild there at the end. I will say, as far as a top heel, he didn't. His last run wasn't very long, but he's one of the few that I was like, okay, you give him a chance, and he's going to give me a run for my money. <laughs> yeah. He can talk. He can piss people off so easily. <laughs> yeah, I found that out. Um, when I first attended my first TWA show, I found, yeah, Joker can really piss the crowd off, which I thought that was the first night I met Joker, which wasn't the case back when he was first starting. Oh, what? Yo, in Cambridge, Ohio, they were doing a, which I was a part of it, they're doing a Secret Santa show. You know, all proceeds with Secret Santa of Guernsey County. Joker was there. I got reminded of that, which I, you know, yeah, you know, joking then to joking now, you know, joking can, can get under your skin and, you know, just like you can. But, uh, oh, I don't do that. I'm an angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still on belts and, you know, but... I thought it was a Christmas gift. You didn't tell me I couldn't have it. Oh, well, you did, but. <laughs> okay. Of course, that was the night that I stole Santa's hat, too, so I can't say too much, can no. I? Um, now, now you're in TWA. How did TWA get started? Which is going to be a good question for Brad whenever I get Brad on here. Uh, uh, how well, did they contact you, and what did you start doing in TWA? Uh, like I said, you, years ago, Brad was trying to, he was learning the business and learning, you know, how to promote, and he was kind of starting his own thing. Um, it started out kind of as a way to help raise funds for a community center he was working with and everything, I believe. And so that's when I first met him, and he's the one that got me in touch with David and Donald and um, set up, gave a platform for me to go and get trained. Um, that's where... Uh, me and 
uh, Big Rig, and Gal Castle. That's where we got our start, was being trained by those guys, and Brad's the one that made it happen. So I stayed in contact with him um, pretty much my entire career. Uh, when things were good after a show, I'd get a hold of him and tell him how things went. If things went bad, <laughs> I'd tell him how they went. So when he started talking about, you know, hey, I got a ring. I'm getting ready to do this right. We're going to make it happen, make a go of this now. You know, first time around, I was still training. This time, I was in the business. i have been working. i have been through a lot, good and bad. And I knew what I was going to do now. So... You know, he tells me right off the bat, he said, I want you in the opening match against Gal Castle. You know, I just jumped at the chance. I'm like, absolutely, because that's... That's money right there. Vince across, we discussed it earlier. Vince across Gal Castle, that's money. Okay. And a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people like to look at this, you know, want to be the main event. And, of course, my preferred match to work is the last one. Um, a lot of guys don't like that because there is all that extra pressure. But to me, if I'm watching a show going and I'm peeking through that curtain between each match, watching bits and pieces, and I'm seeing people doing amazing stuff, it just gets me more excited. Because I know when they're, if they're going on this for me, i got to play top that. Um, but with that situation, it's the very first match of this company, and that's the first impression. So I saw a chance to be that guy to make the first impression, and oh boy, did we! Yeah, I mean, look, look where TWA is now—one of the probably one of the most popular promotions in the state now. I mean, Brad's just and his the way he books and the way he he does things there. Like I said, I only did one show, and that we won't go there with that tag match because that that that, that was something else, but. Like I said, first night in the opening match has a uh, finish where my foot's on the rope and the ref doesn't see it. The ref happens to be Guile's son. So after the match, I'm you know I'm in his kid's face and about started a riot because people thought I was going to beat up his kid, which I might have. <laughs> and that's that's a good way to make a first impression. We were off to the races from that point. Um. Oh, let me think, let me think. Okay, now we're getting towards the end now. If there's any advice you could give to the newer cats coming in, what would you give them? Uh, kind of same thing I told Vanish on that is uh, definitely, you know, don't, don't ever think you're done paying dues. When you think you're done paying dues, get out of the business. Um, the business owes you nothing. Um, on top of that, again, always listen to any advice that a veteran wants to give you, but at the same time, don't just blindly take advice because in this business, I hate to say it, there's a lot of people there that will either intentionally or sometimes unintentionally give you bad advice. Um, like for me, I found one person that was in the business that I absolutely trusted that wasn't a trainer. I didn't have that kind of connection with that I could go to about things. Um, I mentioned him last in on the other podcast, uh, Billy Short, wrestled by the name Billy Litt, um, Rusty Tank. He's someone that I can go to about pretty much anything that's going on in the business. Any questions I have, I'm concerned about something, and he's going to give me his honest opinion. And he knows that sometimes I'm going to take it, sometimes I'm going to take part of it. But 
I think the best thing is to find someone like that. And every locker room's got someone. Just, you know, you got to use your head. You, If you don't keep your head on your shoulders in this business, you won't make it very long. No, you will not. And the one question I didn't get to ask you, which just popped in my head, who were some of your influences before we close out here? Um, my influences with getting into the business were guys like Sting and Shawn Michaels, uh, Bret Hart. Uh, I think I told the story on Venice's podcast that it was watching a match in ECW between Al Snow and Shane Douglas that made me want to really do this and go, yeah, I want to do it. Um, as far as Vincent Cross goes, you know, I've got asthma issues. I have breathing issues and stuff that limit what I can do. And early on in the business, I wasn't able to work anywhere near the way I wanted to work. So rather than trying to come up with a gimmick like the guys I love that were known as workhorses, I started digging deep, looking at other people I could learn from. Um, of course, I found Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, you know, his Mankind gimmick, um, Brian Pillman during the Loose Cannon era. Seeing these guys that are going out there going, you know, they're not the biggest. They're not the strongest. Right. Damn, they might be the craziest. Right. And you got to find that knack that will, that will work for you. I mean, yeah, you can have all these influences, but you got to see what works for you to you know, help you, your longevity in this business. I mean, I. Oh, exactly. That's, that's how I got my start was I could, I found something that worked for me. And rather than embracing something that wasn't that, I decided that, you know, I could have changed again. Like there's several times I was suge- I was advised to change who Cross is and become something different. No, no. I mean, it's uh, working for you. As much as I you, and you should keep it to work. As much as there's a love hate relationship between me and Cross, I am Vincent Cross. <laughs> right. See, I started late in this business at you know age 35. So I you know <laughs> starting off I was limited what I can do, but you know. I'm, Watching some of the guys I grew up watching, you know, at the time of me growing up, everybody liked Hulk Hogan. I mean, that's when he, things started booming for Hogan and WWF. I like Dr. D. David Schultz, which they just had a documentary of him on Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, I just saw it. It was good. And, you know, which a lot of people say he was the original Stone Cold Steve Austin. I just wish he would have slapped that guy again. Oh, me too. And that guy still talking. That guy still. Uh, Schultz was there. I'm pretty sure Stoltz will be saying some of the things he said. But uh, you know, and Steve Austin, you know, you got to work with what you can do. I'm not a high flyer. You know, I think the most flying thing I ever do is my lariat clothesline. That's about as up in the air I'm going to get. Yeah. So yeah, you got to work with what you can do. Mean. Whereas you you've seen me come off the top rope to the floor before, and it doesn't look pretty, <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's probably a scary sight seeing a two hundred fifty pound man flying off the top rope at you that looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> you got that right. All right, brother. I like to thank you for taking. You know, we had some time. You know, trying to get on here at the same time, but we worked through it. We got on here. And we got her done. I like. Thank you for being on the second episode of the BSJ podcast. And hopefully somewhere down the line, TWA, maybe 
networks and RPW maybe if they can you know get that worked out or with you and you guys can negotiate. Oh yeah, the door's door's not shut there. I don't think. No, I hope not. Anyways, they know you know that you're a good performer and they need they need that. You know, being I said, it, it's the business. Um, I there are there are circumstances I, I I'd be willing to come back. There's just Right now, it's. I'm not even saying I'm gone for good. It's, it's really the ball's in their court, you know. Right. They know how I feel about things, and that's all there is to it. I, I've always tried to work with people, as you know. I, I'm like the posters and everything else. I do all that work. I don't mind doing it. <laughs> so, hopefully, it works itself out. Because I'd love to take that belt from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Um... I don't think I like that. I mean, I, you know, I'm getting into my run. I think I like to go out as the heavyweight champ, but we'll see. Well, well right, right now, all I'd have to do is just figure out where Giles got the belt at. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, next week I'm going to have the guy you like. You said you wanted to face, and I faced, and and he's going to be live here in color. At, you know the. Castle of Buckshot Jones, it's going to be uh, Connor Cross. Ooh. He might, I mean, he might sit here and, you know, discuss what we went, you know, him coming in and crack a few cold ones and do it live and in color next week. This is going to be the first live you know, one-on-one, you know, episode three, but there might be more to come. But uh, thanks again for being on here, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in the future. Oh, absolutely. It was fun, man. Oh, you too. You, uh, you stay safe, brother. For Vincent Cross. Yep, you too. Don't don't catch the corona. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Unless it's got a lime in it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, for Vincent Cross, I'm the American Redneck Buckshot Jones, and you've listened to the BSJ Podcast. Thank you.